Good morning, family. Y'all were singing today. Amen. Can we give God a praise this morning? Y'all were singing today. I want to welcome all of you all to BT Church, our 11 a.m. worship service. Uh, I am Pastor Nick, a pastor on staff here. I have the honor and privilege to share with you this morning uh, the Word of God. But before I do that, I want to welcome all of our first-time guests. We want you to know you're very important to us. If you're in the room or online joining us for the first time, you're very important. So B BT family, let's give our VIPs some love. Amen. And we welcome much love to our BT family online, our BT online family. We love you. Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Uh, Y'all ready for part two this morning? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Before we get into part two, I uh, just want to celebrate what uh, God is doing in the life of our church. Since last week, we celebrate that two more people have decided to go public with their faith in the waters of baptism. We celebrate that. And five more people have decided to trust Jesus Christ crossing over from death to life. And so we celebrate that in the life of our church. Amen. We don't want to take the move of God for granted. We praise God. Amen. 21 years ago, uh, I will never forget where I was. I was... <clears throat> I was a sophomore in high school, and after our first period class, uh, they came and got us and took us in the atrium, and uh, they, they let us know that uh, everybody felt like that the nation was under attack. The first plane had hit uh, the first tower, and classes were dismissed from that day. D.C. was shut down, so the internet wasn't working, phones wasn't working, so... Uh, we, we gathered together around televisions and watched, like many of you, uh, watched the different news outlets and all of uh, people speculate what was going on in our country. After a few minutes, we noticed and we saw uh, the second plane hit the Twin Towers, and at that moment... There was no mistaking that as a nation we were under attack. This was not an accident. You know, sometimes in life things happen like that. One thing happened, you'd be like, oh, it's just, man, that went bad. But a whole bunch of stuff started happening. You're like, man, maybe this is intentional, right? Maybe, maybe I'm fighting a real enemy. And I will never forget how... Uh, this country united together in the face of that adversity. Crazy thing about 9-11, my observation, this may not be yours, it's mine. One of the things that I noticed was as this country came together in the face of that adversity is this. Nobody was talking about who voted for who. Ain't nobody care. Nobody cared how much of an expert you were. Adversity has a way 
of making us draw together and focus on what is most important. I noticed that from 9-11. And another thing that I noticed was around that time, uh, our hearts were drawn to what is transcendent. Our, our twin towers, great, great displays of human engineering and ingenuity and, well, the same humanity that built it up. The depraved side of humanity can tear it down. And I noticed that our hearts were drawn to what is transcendent. Philip Yancey's book, Where is God When It Hurts, sold more copies in 24 hours than it did in the past 24 years at that time uh, of 9-11 because people were searching for answers. People were searching for God. I don't know if you remember, but I remember right after 9-11, churches were packed. Do y'all remember that? Churches were packed and people were praying. People who may not have followed God with their lives, they, they did throw their words in God's direction in that time. Why? Because adversity has a way of making us yearn for what is ultimately transcendent. It makes us yearn and long for, for somebody to step in that ain't, that ain't you or I. Because when 9-11 happened, we, I don't know about you, but when 9-11 happened, I, I realized that although I'm an American and I'm in America, one of the greatest places on earth, and we have a strong military and we, we all of that, you know how Americans, how we poke our chest out. Y'all know how it is. But I noticed something. No matter how proud you are, you can still be attacked. No, how to, no matter how much you have, you can still face adversity. Now, if a nation can unite together in the face of adversity, how much more the saints of God? Right? And so that's why we're in this series, Saints Together. Last week we started this series with part one of the sermon, uh, Saints United in Adversity. And if you were not here, you're going to have to go to YouTube, but because you're here, I'll briefly tell you what we talked about, okay? That's a deal. So you're going to promise to go on YouTube, watch that message, but I'm going to let you know what we talked about. We looked at Paul and Silas in a Philippian jail, and we saw that when saints come together, our perspective is Change When we are united in adversity, it gives us a chance to have our perspective altered, to have our perspective drawn upward to the transcendent. And this is what Paul and Silas did as they prayed. When saints are united together in adversity, they pray, like, much like our nation did in the face of 9-11, in the aftermath of 9-11. Paul and Silas, they prayed. And when we pray, we converse and we convene with God and we invite him 
into our situation, no matter how dark or how good or how bad it is. Jesus teaches us that when we pray, we ought to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Here it is right here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Paul and Silas, they prayed. And then they praised God. They, they thanked God. They rejoiced in God. And what praise helps our hearts to do in times of adversity, when saints are united in adversity, we can praise God because what praise helps our hearts to do is praise helps our hearts drown out the noise of the adversity. Now, notice what I did not say. I didn't say that our praise will erase the adversity. I didn't say that, did I? No. I said our praise will help us drown out the noise of our adversity because our praise is so directed to God, so oriented with God while we face adversity and while we see adversity, that is not all that we choose to see. It's not all that we choose to focus on. We choose to praise God. And when saints are united in adversity, when our perspective is transcended and turned to God, when our cries and our voice is directed in God's direction, when we pray and when we praise God, what are the results? What happens when saints are united in adversity? I'm so glad you asked all the right questions. It's, it's right here in our text. Acts chapter 16, verse 26 here are the results. It says this. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself. Because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you with your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this sweet time of worship where we worship you in spirit and in truth. And now as we prepare to worship you through the hearing and preaching of your word, it's my prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let your word be clearly communicated. Let Jesus Christ be highly exalted. Let your people be beautifully blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's kick off part two. Saints united in adversity. Unity in adversity. What is the result when our perspective is changed and we pray and we praise God. What is the result? It's right here in the text. The result is God's power. That is the result. God's power. A great earthquake 
hit that jail and shook it at its very foundation, so much so that the doors flew open and everybody's chains were loose. This, this was not just a man-made earthquake because sometimes due to our ingenuity and engineering, sometimes if we drill or build, we can disrupt something in the earth that, that causes a disruption. And sometimes that'll make the earth shake. But this wasn't that. Sometimes it's not at the hands of men that the earth shakes. Sometimes it's, it's a natural occurrence as the tectonic plates beneath the earth's surface rub together and friction and, and, and all of that happens. There is a rub and there's a shift and sometimes what goes on beneath the earth's surface will, will affect just, just a natural Natural disaster, natural reaction. But this is not man-made. This is just not a natural reaction. This is a display of the power of God. And when we face adversity, guess what we need? We need the power of God. We need God to shake up some things in our life. We need God to shake up things, here it is, by his power, not just by our plans. Amen. Because sometimes that's why we don't pray. Honestly, sometimes that's why we don't pray, because we have plans to get ourselves out. And when we at the last end of our rope, we're hanging on by a thread of a strand of a, of a little kitten whisker, then we'll throw up a prayer. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. But Paul and Silas, they prayed and they praised and, and they had their eyes turned upward. And God intervened. God got involved. God stepped in. And that's what we need in our lives. We need God's power to be on display. There are things in life, I don't care how many degrees you have, you need the power of God to help you. There's situations that we face. I don't care how much you know, how much money you got in the bank. We need the power of God to help us because we can have all the right things out there, but only God knows how to fix what's in here. And if I don't have peace, life ain't peaceful. If I'm not comforted, by the presence of God, I don't have comfort. There are people that got more money than me. They got more so-called friends than me. And they look around, can't trust nobody. Amen. But I sleep like a baby every night. You want to know why? Not because not I took a bunch of melatonin, but because God's power. Amen. <laughs> What magnesium or none of that, whatever vitamins y'all take. I didn't go to Sprouts for this. I rest in God's power. And so Paul and Silas, they see God show up. And here's the thing. When God, how do I know that God's power is at work in my life? I'm so glad you asked. It's right here in the text. Things are shaky. 
Yeah. Yeah. If, if things are shaken in your life, don't always blame the devil. That could be God at work. Because when God causes the earth beneath us to give way, that is an opportunity for us to trust more in his power. Are you with me? Some of y'all got a relationship right now, and it's real rocky. And could it be that God is saying, hey, you've been trusting that relationship like that relationship is your source, like that relationship is your everything, like that relate." But God said, I will shake things up so that you can trust me. That's how we know God's powers at work. Listen, I don't want to be a part of a church where don't nothing get, sh- don't nothing get shaky every now and then. Amen. Think about it. Time we're going to want to go to churches, everything perfect, don't nothing change, everything stay the same. same. The same way it was 55 years ago. And hear me, God stays the same. But when God moves, things don't stay the same. Are you with me? I saw one church, I ain't going to say the name, um, I don't even know where it is, but, but, but their tagline, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, y'all, and I wasn't even going to say it, but their tagline was church, just like it used to be. I said, okay. <laughs> what a way to brag. Not church about the gospel, right? Not church focus on Jesus. Church just like it used to be. But what if how it used to be ain't how God moving right now? Amen. God will shake things up. Guess what? You can't even get on a plane from here to another place and not even expect things to change. Even the flight attendant, when you land and get to where you're going, they will get on the intercom and they will say, hey, when you get your bag, be very careful because things may have shifted. You see what I'm saying? You can't even get on transportation and go somewhere. But we think we can sit in church 365 or 52 Sundays. Y'all don't come every day like I come. I come every day. I'm here every day. You come to church 52 Sundays a year and don't nothing change? That means God's power is not at work. If you sit in church 52 Sundays and you don't change and nothing in your life gets shaken up, that means God's power is not at work. But guess what? When saints come together, we need God's power to work. We need God's power to shake us up and make us uncomfortable and show us where we're wrong and show us what we're doing right and show us how we can be better and show us how we grow. Guess what? When God's power shows up, not even our faith stays the same because it grows. And so God's power showed up, and the doors swing open. Their chains fall off. Yes, when God's power shows up, chains fall off. I'm so glad about that. This is why at BT we says, listen, God will meet you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. God, when he, his power shows up in your heart and life, guess what? God is about breaking chains. He doesn't want the same thing that's been plaguing you last year to plague you this year. 
The same addiction that you walk in. There should be some progression as the chains fall off. Are you with me? Theologically, we call that sanctification. Yes, salvation is in an instant. Sanctification will take a lifetime. And so God's power, here it is, here it is, because I love deliverance ministries. I love deliverance ministries. But deliverance is no silver bullet, and deliverance is never meant to replace lifelong discipleship. Like you could come in the prayer line, and by God's grace, we can lay hands on you, and the Spirit of God can work, and in an instant, God's power can show up in your life. But guess what? You still need to be discipled. You don't live off the food you ate last week, right? When God, when God gives us the gift of prayer and Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, it's give us this day our daily bread, not our monthly bread. Amen. And so God shook up the place. The, the, the doors flew open. The chains fall off. And Paul and Silas are still in prison. <laughs> Why? Why? Because when saints gather together, the result, when we are united together in adversity, the result is not just God's power, but it's God's purposes. God's power is always directed so that his purpose can be done in the earth. Hear me. Sometimes when I pray, I'm not thinking about God's purpose nowhere. I don't know if you like that, but sometimes when I pray, I'm not thinking about God. I'm just thinking about Nick. Can I be honest? Some of y'all like, you shouldn't be my pastor. You know how it is because all I think about is life is making me say, ouch, or this is uncomfortable, or I really need this, or God, I could really use a few more digits in the bank right now, amen, or God, I I really would like, uh, you hear me? And I don't connect any of my prayer to God's purpose. All I want is, God, I want your power, 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 and I can never connect my desire for God's power to show up in my life with his purpose being fulfilled in my life. And hear me, when we pray like that, it's not that God does not hear us, but the New Testament teaches that God may not answer us. And God uses that as an opportunity to refine our prayers so that we don't ask amiss, as the New Testament says. But God's power is always connected always directed to his purpose being done. And even when God chooses to answer a prayer exactly how I wanted it to happen, exactly how I wanted him to answer it, it's still connected to God's purpose. It's connected to his purpose to love me because he's a loving father. It's not just because Nick asked. You with me? It's always connected to God's purpose. Because I'm just telling you right now, if I'm locked up in county, and the earthquake hit county, and the doors swing open, and my chains fall off, I just left. 
Like, I'm going to say, God, that's your power right there. I'm not even, listen, I'm not even going to hitchhike on 281. I, I will walk to Flying J's myself. Like, I, I'm out. I'm gone. But this is not what Paul and Silas do. They stay in prison. Good God Almighty. Because sometimes, you know, God gives us power to leave and all of that, but, but really, a lot of times, God gives us the power to stay in some things. God, God gives us the power to stay in some things. Here, not, not because we're comfortable, but because he has a purpose for us there. Are you with me? And sometimes as saints, when we come together, we need to come around each other and encourage each other. My mind goes to, to Joseph. Joseph was in the prison, and he wanted to get out, and he helped the baker, and he helped the cupbearer. But God gave him the power to stay. Baker gets his head cut off. The cupbearer gets released, forgets Joseph. But at the right time, God had Joseph right where he needed to be. Are you with me? So God sometimes gives us the power to stay. There may be somebody right now, and you think your purpose is, is you going off doing it, and, and you, like, you, you might be a teacher, and you're like, you know what? My purpose is not in this school with these crumb snatches in Jesus' name. This is my last year, and you praying and prophesying that over your life. And God is like, you know what? I'm, I'm giving you the power to stay. <laughs> I... I, I I want you to stay there. Good gracious. You may be at a company or on your job or living in an area, and you, and you just feel like, oh, I got to get up out of here. And God is like, no, I'm opening doors. Hear me. I'm opening doors not to let you out. I'm opening doors to show the people around you that I'm getting ready to step in. And that's what happens in the text because the jailer, he sees that the doors are open and the jailer is like many of us. His purpose is connected only to what he does, not to who he is. His purpose is only connected to his duty and his job and his assignment, his purpose is not connected at this point to God's purpose. How do you know this? Because the jailer says, I have got to take my own life. The jailer says, after all, I'm a jailer, right? And if the convicts under my care aren't in there, <laughs> then I have failed in my duty ultimately I have failed in my purpose, and life is not worth living. There are many of us that connect our purpose simply to what we do. We connect our purpose 
just to our dream. We, we don't connect our purpose to our being or the creator that created us. We look and we say, if we're successful, then, then we're walking in purpose. So if, if we're a failure, it destroys us so much so to the point we despair of taking our own life. But, but what I love about Paul and Silas is this. They know they're walking in purpose and they stay in the prison and they say, hey, don't harm yourself because we're here. Say, we're all here, man. You, you all right? And that's a word for somebody today. Let me stop. Let me park right there. Because I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what goes on in your mind. But what I want you to know is this. Your life matters more to God than it does to you. And I want you to know that God has created you on purpose and for a purpose and with a purpose. And guess what? It's not about what you do for God. God wants you to be with him. And could it be that you carry despair and shame and guilt and hopelessness so much on your shoulders that, that you are at the point where this jailer was, where he said, I'm going, I'm going to fall on my own sword. I'm going to take my life in my own hands and end this thing. Could it be that you're there? But, but I want you to know that the church is here. We're like Paul and Silas. We want to enter into the thick of the mess, into the thick of Hey, thank you, Bagyara, into the thick of it with you. We want to get in there with you and let you know we are here. Don't harm yourself. There's hope. Don't harm yourself. Saints want to gather around you. Don't, don't harm yourself. You, you are loved. People want to know you. People want to lock arms with you. There's somebody that wants to pray with you. Don't harm yourself. And this jailer, I believe that that was the first that was the first wall in his heart to come down as after that, he says, well, since I'm going to live, I got to live right. What must I do to be saved? I, I love it because this jailer, he understood that, that his life was more than his duty. And he understood that there is somebody stronger than he is, that his life was not just going to be called into account with, with Roman leadership, but his life was going to be called into account by a holy and righteous God. And this jailer looked at Paul and Silas and said, what must I do to be saved? And what I love about it is this. Paul and Silas, they give an answer to this jailer that is the same answer for you and I. Believe in Jesus. I love it. Believe in Jesus. What, what is the answer to salvation? Believe in Jesus. How can I walk in my purpose? Believe in Jesus. Have, have you believed in Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus? Why? Because Jesus represents the power of God and the purposes of God in humanity, in full display, Jesus shows up that the power of God and the purposes of God can show up in the sum total of human weakness, in the sum total of human depravity. God can step in and intervene and bring about his good plan. Jesus shows us this. 
Jesus teaches us this. See, there are some that look at, look at the life of Jesus and, and they may think that, well, a king, a king should never die on a cross. Well, yeah. No earthly king should die on the cross, but a heavenly king should. Our heavenly king did. Amen. And what I love about Jesus is it, it teaches us this in, in 1 Corinthians, that Jesus Christ is the power of God and he is the wisdom of God. And, and, and whatever God does that makes it look like he's weak, that's still stronger than all of our human strength. See, I, I hear some people now, like in this day and culture, Lord, Pastor Nick, don't get in trouble, but I might. I hear people right now, you know, in this culture, why would you lock arms and minister the message of grace and love to your oppressor? This Philippian jailer. Why would you explain to him your oppressor the way of salvation. Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you lock on? He, he was a symbol of empire, this, this Philippian jailer. He represented the oppressive power structures of the Roman culture. Why would Paul and Silas be so open to explain to this man, Jesus? I'm going to tell you why. Because you know who needs Jesus? Not just the oppressed, but the oppressors need Jesus too. Amen. We are all at equal footing under the cross. Are you with me? And so Paul and Silas, they preach to this brother. They tell him, believe, 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 trust, trust, trust. Depend on Jesus. Trust in Jesus and you'll be saved. That's it, boss. Like, like it's really that simple. Like all we have to do is trust Jesus. God orchestrates our lives to bring us to a point to where all of us come to the crossroads. And the question is, will you or will you not trust Jesus? Well, I'm so glad that God's purpose was fulfilled in the life of this Philippian jailer because we see that he trusts Jesus. Now, if Paul and Silas, when the doors flang open and, and when, when, when the chains were loose, if they ran out of the prison, then guess what? This jailer would not have heard the good news. He would not have heard the gospel. He would not have, he would not have seen the light illuminate his soul so that he trusts Jesus. But what I love about it is this, Paul and Silas, they stay, they stay united in adversity. And now we see because they walked in their purpose, it's going to help the jailer walk in his purpose. I ain't making it up. Look, look at it, look at it, look at it. When we limit our purpose simply to what we must or must not do, 
what we do is, in essence, we limit the effect of the gospel in our lives. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about what we do, what we must do, or what, or, or what we cannot do. The gospel is about what Jesus Christ has already done. This jailer was worried about the fact because there was a Roman law that if you are a jailer, the, the convicts under your care, should one escape, you would be severely punished for those convicts and you may even have to die because the convicts escaped. Surely that must have been on this jailer's mind. What Paul and Silas was able to do was they were able to leverage that experience and minister the gospel there. They were able to tell this Philippian jailer that, yes, somebody does have to die so that the captives can go free, but it just won't be you. It's going to be Jesus. It was Jesus. He paid it all. He sets the captives free. He breaks the chains. Jesus, he has done it. And guess what, saints? When we're together, we get to remind each other this. That it's not in the grind that's going to sustain you. It's in the gospel. It's not in our hard work that's going to sustain us. It's in our holy God. It's, it's not in, 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 in our smarts. It's in our Savior. We need to trust Jesus. And when saints come together, we get to remind each other of that constantly, consistently. Because guess what? Life and adversity sometimes makes us forget. Feel like we got to figure it out. We got to rearrange some things. But that's not what this jailer does. I love it because now what we ultimately see is this jailer lives a transformed life. And now we see more saints together. We see more saints together. And what does the jailer do? I'm not making it up. It's in your text. It says to them, verse 32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. So Paul and Silas, after this Philippian jailer, comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He takes them in the house, and Paul and Silas, he speaks the word. They speak the word to him. And guess what happens when we get the word, when we hear the word, when we receive the word? Our perspective is changed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are our minds renewed? By the power of the Spirit of God at work through the Word of God. They opened up the Word, and their perspective was changed. This jailer started to hear, and his family started to hear about God's power and God's plan through the Word of God. I love it. What else do we see when these saints gather together? It says this, he was baptized. Uh-oh, shameless plug. The water's ready if you're ready right now. We will baptize you right now. Just visit Info Center. We will do it right now this service. That night, the jailer was baptized. He didn't say, he didn't say oh, let me work some things out. Oh, but no, nah. He was baptized that night. But look at it. Look at it. I'm not finished. He washed their wounds. He brought them into his house, verse 34. He set a meal before them. 
And what you do when you eat your food? You pray. <laughs> so their perspective has changed. They are praying and then they are praising. They rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. Do you see how God's power and his purpose collided not just for Paul and Silas to get out of jail, but so that God could get into this jailer's life. See, saints, when we come together in adversity, we've got to understand this. Let me close my Bible so you know I'm telling the truth. I'm done. When we come together in adversity, we've got to understand that the adversity that we face is never about us. No, 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 no. It's about us. The adversity that we face, the, the hell that comes at us is to stop God from working through our lives so that God can connect and reach out to other people. How many of you all have been through some things, have faced some trials, have faced some pain, have been caused to experience deep sorrow and, and in the moment, all you could think about was what you were going through, but, but somehow, way, through the power of God, God got you through. And, and on the other side of your painful experience, on the other side of your adversity, you bump into somebody whose situation is similar to yours, and you're able to give them an encouraging word. How many times did that happen? That, that, that happens a lot. This room is filled with people who have faced adversity, but God's power has shown up and his purpose is, is, is being accomplished in your life. And you've been able to do like Paul and Silas, lead somebody to Jesus. Guess what? When saints come together, that's what we do. That's who we are. Because our purpose it's not about our success or our failure. Our purpose is given to us so that we can be who God created us to be. And sometimes when you don't think God has big plans for you, that's when you need the brothers and sisters in the faith to say, no, 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 no. Don't talk like that about my friend. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a purpose and a plan for you. He that has begun a good work in you will perform. See, that's why we need the saints. It ain't just going to come from your podcast. Amen. It ain't going to come from the blogs. It's going to come from the saints. Amen. Now I want you to know. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Seriously, I'm done. I'm done. I want you to know that the enemy from the time that Paul and Silas stepped into Macedonia, he was trying to shut down the ministry of the church. And what do we see? We see that time after time the enemy failed. Why? Because God's purpose will be accomplished no matter what. God is so big and awesome. 
God says, I will use the adversity you face to amplify my purpose in your life. Good God Almighty. I love it. I love it. This is why we can truly cling to the promise that there's no weapon formed against us that will prosper. Amen. Stephen got stoned to death. But you know who was at the stoning death of Stephen? Paul. God's purpose is going to be accomplished no matter what. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. And what did Joseph say? Joseph said, you meant it for evil. What y'all did was trifling. Joseph said, I'm not taking no, y'all was trifling. Joseph told him. You can tell people they trifling. Amen. That's Bible. Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but Joseph said this, but God meant it for good. God sent me here to preserve life. What was Joseph saying? Joseph was saying, I ain't tripping because God's purpose is going to happen in my life no matter what. The devil thought by crucifying Jesus, he was killing the mission of God. But what he didn't know, according to the New Testament, is this, he was unleashing the mission of God. And so I don't know about you, where you are, what you're going through. I don't know. But Jesus knows. And because Jesus knows, you know what he will do? He will put you in situations where you need other people that look like him. <laughs> he will put you in situations where, where you lock arms with people that depend on him. He will put you with other saints together so that you can be united in adversity. I'm getting ready to pray. That's all I got. But maybe you're here and you don't you don't know where you stand with God. You you know you need God. You know conceptually there's a God up there, you would even say, oh, yeah, I talked to the big man upstairs. Well, I want you to know the big man upstairs has come downstairs to be your Lord and Savior. And what if we can stop talking about God conceptually and talk about him experientially where well, we know he saved us. So we know, I know he's a keeper. I, I know he's my savior. I know his power is at work in my life. Maybe you're here, you're like, I don't, I don't know where I stand with God. I, I pray, but I'm not even sure I should pray or I'm not even sure God hears me. All I know is I know I need God. I, I do need God. If, if that's you, I want to I want to lead us in a time of prayer. Because the solution for the Philippian jailer is the, is the solution for you and I. Believe in Jesus. How do I do that? Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Throw the weight of your soul in the hands of Jesus. Trust him. Now, we're getting ready to pray. This prayer is not a magical prayer. 
what this prayer is that we're getting ready to pray, it is a proclamation of that trust, that you trust that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that he has died on the cross for your sins, that he has forgiven you, that he has transformed you, that he accepts you, that he has redeemed you. That is the prayer that we're getting ready to pray. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. If you, if you want to trust Jesus right now, this morning, like the Philippian jailer, you say, what must I do to be saved? I say like Paul and Silas, believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today confessing that I need you. I'm lost. I need to be found. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Say, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I believe that, God, you raised him again from the dead on the third day. And today, by faith, I trust Jesus with my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. My life is yours forever. Head still bowed.